Coming up in Need to Know, we reveal our first crushes and how they shaped everything that was to come. In all the fields, we celebrate our chosen family. And in Gotta Do, we continue Money May with special guest Beverly Thomas, telling us all about the importance of life insurance and transition planning. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life starts now. This is Warden Webster. Are you cracking up? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not code switching yet. Are you cracking up? Because I was like, who is this Casey Kasem <laughs> voice that you put on today? I think I finally got it. I finally got it. I'm finding my podcast voice. That's going to be the name of my book. I'm finding my podcast voice. <laughs> and I support it because the whole time I was like, who? Who this man? <laughs> Who this? Who So I finally wrote, so just for the listeners, Bianca always, well, not always, she usually writes out her, she scripts out her intros, but I usually just kind of do mine on the fly. Mm -hmm. And so I took her lead and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to script this out. And I really, I think it went better. So I might do it from now on. I think it was delightful. Um, okay. <laughs> it was very, it was very formal. And again, I think I said it before, this is like the ultimate bait and switch because people are like, just so intrigued. And what is this word in Webster? And then they come on, they're like, what the fuck is this word in Webster? <laughs> but I hope we get to keep them. Welcome to Warden Webster. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. This is going to be a great show. So Bianca, we did a little something, something this week. And we, I want to talk we. about, now we. I want to talk. So I'm glad you said that because I want to talk about what we did. And then I want to talk a little bit about the process of this podcast because it hit me this morning in the shower where most things usually hit me. <laughs> hey. So first for the listeners, Bianca and I are launching our very own YouTube channel. And the purpose of our YouTube channel will be to share with you some outtakes and some clips from this show. So last week or the week before we mentioned bloopers and, and maybe, you know, how could we do a whole show about those? So then I had this crazy idea. Why don't we start a YouTube channel where we can put like short clips there of bloopers of outtakes of whatever. So the idea is that we're not going to have full episodes on YouTube, but you will be able to go to YouTube and watch video clips from our recordings. And we'll put some bloopers there every once in a while just to keep it cute. So B, how are you feeling about this? No. <laughs> when you were like, when you sent me that text on some just, look what I did type shit. I was like, why is he doing this? <laughs> I just wanted to be a voice. Now there are Zoom backgrounds and like coordination. Um, I feel like I have to now give a lip every time because what if people see me? I can't just be rolling out of bed like I want to do sometimes. But um, kudos to you for taking the initiative to take Warden Webster to another level. Thank you, Isaiah, for seeing our growth and potential. Yes, yeah, so please go to our YouTube page. It's Warden Webster, of course. You want to subscribe um, to our page. You want to like the content. Uh, you need to just do that. So Bianca, I want to share with the listeners a little bit about how we, how our creative process works, because this is the part that came to me this morning in the shower. Again. Um, again. So I kind of realized that for every major decision 
that we've made for the podcast, it usually starts with one of us having the idea and then talking the other person into it. And so I have, I have two examples. <laughs> so this podcast in general, like was, mm -hmm. was my idea. And I was mm -hmm. like, I, I, it took me a year to talk her into it. And then finally she came around. So it was like, I had the idea and then I talked you into it. Then when we were picking the theme song, like we went in two different directions, but mm -hmm. you had, you had the, you had the vision and you were like, no, no, this is the music. And then you talked me into it and you were absolutely correct because it, it's way better than what I would have picked. <laughs> and for the listeners, he wanted some heavenly bell chimes and shit. And I was like, what is, what is that? <laughs> But B, have you noticed that this is this is seems to be our creative process? I'm wondering, is it just me or have you noticed that as well? I agree. And I was telling, I don't know who I was telling, maybe a mutual friend of ours, somebody that like Isaiah has a way of getting me to do shit that I just wouldn't want to do. And after I'm like, now, I don't even know why I fight it. Like, I'm like, okay, because I'm going to say yes, eventually. Same thing with, again, the YouTube channel. I was, because I feel like we had maybe mentioned it before or kind of played with the idea and I was like no I don't want but here we are partially because I know you're gonna do it anyway like you're just gonna do whatever the hell you want to do so why am I fighting it but I would agree I think that is the process so that leads me to believe that there are a lot of things that I should then consider um encouraging you to do i.e the skydiving Mm. You mean, I, I thought we were going to do the indoor version. I think we could do both. I'm, if, I'm, if I'm skydiving, I'm definitely doing it one time. <laughs> so you better pick you, whatever the one time is you pick that one. Because that's something I'm probably not going to do more than we will, um, we'll We'll come back to that. But I agree. I think that this is our process and our way. So I should have asked. <laughs> I should ask Beverly about the life insurance on the skydiving when she comes on the show. <laughs> probably be like when y'all sign the forms you that's on you because yeah and that is a good ooh, that's a good question okay and this week's need to know bianca and i reveal our first crushes mm. and ponder why they were crushes in the first place also, how do we come to like what we like? Today, we dive headfirst into how attractions, fetishes, and curiosities are formed. Okay, Bianca, so how much anxiety did you have when you saw on the arc for Need to Know this week that I wanted to talk about First Crushes? So damn much. <laughs> so much, because one, I really had to think, it made me think like how many of my quote unquote crushes stayed crushes or were they eventually pursued or became relationships or what have you so this really got me thinking and then celebrity ones ah like I don't know let's so let's so let's break yeah. it down what would be easier to do do you want to do the real life ones first or do you want to do the fictional ones first because I mean I want to hear depending what, on no, how you look I want to hear it. your fictional one first <laughs> and how that came to be <laughs> Because I remember the last episode, you were talking about like your list of men's <laughs> on your bucket list. So who you got? So you remember, so Joel Schumacher 
did um, one of the Batman and he did Batman and Robin, I think, you know, when mm. in the original Batmans in the 90s, where they had this whole series, there was like four movies and the one where they had Robin in and, and Batgirl or Batwoman or whatever the name they gave her. Robin, I thought was so sexy. And I'm trying to think of the actor who played him. I'm going to look it up. Um, was that was one of my crushes and um when i was growing up so like it was it was direct from the movie and i just thought he was so cute both in in real life but also in the way that he was dressed in the movie and all the rest <laughs> let me get this man's name chris o'donnell i think was very oh. sexy now this movie came out bianca in 1997 <clears throat> so this was i was in college you know and Chris O'Donnell is not the type of man mm, that mm. I would be into now, but maybe because he's much older now, we'll get into that. But back then, that was my jam. Loved him as Robin. And, you know, so, you know, Robin is kind of submissive to Batman, or at least that is the implication. And I was it drawn is. to that. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I kind of liked Robin. And the fact that his pecs and bulge was just all out there was just too much for me to not enjoy. So that was, the, I mean, I have many. That was the one that comes to front of mind. So we already um, in the very first episode talked about my love for Chef Lovely and I still stand. All love day. her. I've been watching her ever since you mentioned her. Love her. Um, but when I was, and again, I really had to think, right? So when I was a kid, I remember my mother <laughs> buying me a Menudo album. <laughs> And that young Ricky Martin, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I knew then what I knew now, <laughs> but that young Ricky Martin, um, yeah, warmed Bianca's insides as a youth. I will never forget seeing him in concert back in the, you know, when he, when he first went solo. Oh. Girl, that was, that man was just, he's just a beautiful man. <laughs> There's just no other way to say it. And he has aged very well. I love this salt and pepper bearded gray zaddy vibes that he's giving now. And you know, I love it. I know you do. <laughs> Cause you want them geriatric. <laughs> Is that a, wait, is that a, is that a, did you just use a, a some type of like, is that term okay to use? Mature. Thank you. Because okay. we don't want to offend people here we, on the Warden Webster podcast. We don't. You, you like them full grown. How about that? Better? <laughs> I feel like that just lands better. <laughs> Ricky Martin now is full grown. Ricky Martin and Chris O'Donnell, we will be tweeting about them this week. So, uh, so you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Okay, let's move to the real life. I remember mine vividly. Please um, tell me. You want me to go first? Yes. I was 14 years old. I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. His name was Tim. I won't say his last name. I remember his whole name, even though it's been 30 years. Let's just, I'm just going to give you all the first name, Tim. This boy was the most beautiful boy I had ever seen in my life. And I believed in my mind, in my heart of hearts, that he was gay. I have no proof of that. We never had any sort of phys physicality in, on that vein. He's just, I feel like he was. Now, without getting too far into it, um, I've always felt that, that gay people can sense other gay people can kind of like look into their eyes and just kind of know. And, and there were lots of times where we locked eyes and I was like, oh yeah, you're definitely, we're on the same team, so to speak. 
His father was in the military. And so I only got to go to school with him for one year. And then he didn't return to our school for like sophomore year. And I can remember what he wore to class. I can remember how his voice sounded. I can remember his mannerisms. I was just so drawn to this, to this person. And we were only really you know, periphery friends. We didn't hang out or anything like that. But I had the hugest crush on this boy in in high school. To, and Bianca, I remember him to this day. And I feel like I remember so few people and I, I never remember names of people. But the fact that I can still tell you almost everything about him at 14, when we were both 14 mm -hmm. years old, says to me that that was a serious crush that 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 must have had some imprint on my life. Now I'm going to share this aspect of it because I want to talk about this later. Tim was um, conventionally attractive. He was a white guy. He had uh, brownish hair, and he had he had an um, a jock-ish mannerism to him. Like he always wore to school like baseball jerseys or some sort of like you know sports paraphernalia. And in my mind, he was doing it to paper over the fact that he was gay <laughs> because no one would suspect that the guy that had a baseball cap on every day was actually a big old mo homo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one, I can say that. And so that's how I rationalize it in my head. I only mention all those details about him because we're going to talk later in this segment about how we, how our attractions form. Mm. But that was me at 14. So now that you say this, okay, because <clears throat> like I said, I was having a hard time with this one, but ooh, I feel like you just triggered something in me because now there is a, a wave of memories and crushes <laughs> and things and young Biancas that are coming over me. But I will say this again, now that I think about it, there were crushes that I then, um, I guess, pursued or they pursued, like it was mutual and then dating. And I'm really thinking high school and then started dating or what have you. Um, but the ones that, oddly enough, the ones that remained crushes, like the ones that I was just writing our names together in notebooks and things, um, ironically, we're all white boys. And <laughs> I would have never guessed me neither. that. <laughs> and and I've known you for quite many years at this point. There were, there, ooh, now that I think about it, there were three in particular. I shan't name names because my 20-year high school reunion is coming up in September. But do they <laughs> listen to this podcast? I mean, really? I don't know, but my <laughs> friends do. And <laughs> I have some other we'll friends. So that's yeah, offline. Um, and so I think those, especially one in particular, and I am pretty sure, I mean, just uh, beautiful and blue eyes and dark hair, just everything about him. Also a jock, all of those things. Pretty sure he's probably a Republican now. Um, <laughs> just from because most I white men in America are. <laughs> let's be clear. And, and in growing up in the Midwest suburbs, there's just a lot of things. Um, two of them I know are not, but it, but I never felt um that I could pursue or let that be known and maybe even vice versa because I went to a predominantly white high school and um I when I think of any of those three I don't know if any of them could have quote unquote brought me home at that time now on the flip of it though which I think is interesting which could be a whole nother conversation for another day a lot of the um 
the black guys in high school, especially maybe older than me, my age, all dated white girls. Many of them married white women from high school or et cetera, um, pursued them actively, did all of the things. Um, but in terms of that reversal, I don't think we saw that. So even my white boy crushes, I don't think I would have ever been like, hey, boo, hey. Um, yeah, but they're out there though. <laughs> How do you think these these crushes at, at, at this young age in life affected us, if at all? And did they affect you, if at all? I don't think it did. Or maybe, maybe subconsciously it did because I never, you know, even as an adult, um, dated white men or were attracted to, I don't know, it, seemed, it felt um, unattainable to me then. And I definitely know... Um, Anybody would tell you I am hands down black love. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if that's not obvious. <laughs> right. Um, but I will say that I never, uh, I don't think I'm the kind of person that has a type. So even if my type is black or even black or brown, um, no, before my husband, no ex-romantic partner is alike in any form or fashion um, besides race. So like just very, very different in in appearance and interests and all of those things. Like, I don't know if any, I don't know, I'd be curious to ask any of my friends, like, do you think Bianca has a type? And, and I don't believe that they would say yes, because it's just so different. So I don't, I don't know if my crushes really, um, I don't know if they really had any impact going forward. I think I definitely have a type and it's evolved over time. I think the the problem is that when most people think of type, they only think of the physical side. So when I think of type, I kind of throw the physicality completely out the window and look for commonalities in type that have nothing to do with what they look like. And that's really when you can find out what your type is. Um, I did some research this week, Bianca, because I was I'm fascinated by why we like what we like. And I wanted to make sure that we had that part into this conversation. And I read about five, maybe six articles yesterday and this morning. I found one that I thought was very succinct. And it's based on a study from the University of Southampton. And this was done. Let me get the year. I'll post this on our social media. This is a couple years old now. But essentially, they say that attraction is based on five factors. And after I had read a number of articles, I started to see some of the through lines. And so these five things kind of stuck out to me. And the first one, I think, is oddly enough, the most important. It's proximity. How near you are to someone and how often you see them, is it determines the level of attractiveness you have to them. And at first, I completely discounted that. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But the more I thought about it, Proximity really does determine a number Mm -hmm. of things in life in general. I often talk to my friends who are who are who are highly religious. And I and I and one of the things that I one of the conversations I like to have, and it's completely philosophical, I'm like, if you were born in China at the end of the last century, do you think you would be Baptist? Mm -hmm. And they kind of stop and they're like, Well, of course I would be. And I was like, Hmm, would you really? (laughs) Are you Baptist because of where and when you were born? Because that seems to be what determines so much of our thinking is where on the planet you entered the world. Because I can guarantee you, if you were born in China, (laughs) you would probably not be Baptist. That would just be a stretch. So anyway, I say that to say that proximity plays a role in almost everything. So I, I wasn't... 
I was surprised, but I really shouldn't have been. That proximity is is one of the key things in attraction. I'm going to read all five, and I want I want to see what you think of mm -hmm. these. So proximity is, the, is one. <clears throat> um, similarity is the second one. How like you are to them, for example, do you share similar interests or values? That seems to to make sense. Like if I like tennis, I'm going to be drawn to someone who also likes tennis. We can do that together. Reciprocity is the third one. We're more likely to like people who like us. Makes sense. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> the fourth one is physical attractiveness, which I think is is the given. And then uh, the final one is familiarity. We like people who seem comfortable to us. And this one really, this one really spoke to me. So this goes back to Tim in high school. And I feel like when when you're in your formative years, however that person made you feel, then that that becomes what sticks, and you remember it a lifetime. And then you you start to search for that feeling. Um, do you know, I once read, do you know how foot fetishes are formed? I just want to see if you've ever heard this. No, because I am disturbed by the idea of foot fetishes, but I know it's a whole thing and I won't yuck anybody's yum. They say that foot fetishes are formed by kids being bounced on their parents' feet as children. And that that's where, that's the beginning of the fetish. I swear I'm not making this up. That's where, that's where they say it starts because they, you, you, because you equate happiness and joy and comfort Aww. with your parents' feet. And then it later in life, it materializes as a fetish. That is adorable. <laughs> that also means that neither of my kids are going to have a foot fetish because they have not been on these here feet or bounced anywhere. <laughs> anyway, what do you make of those five things that are supposed to determine what we're attracted to? Proximity, similarity, reciprocity, physical attractiveness, and familiarity. I definitely think proximity, especially when we, um, well, one, I met my husband at work, so saw him every day. <laughs> but when we think about like these high school crushes and and how those, those, cr those young crushes are usually somebody that we're in school with, again, with them all the time. Um, I think the similarity part is interesting because again uh cliff is very different in terms of so prior to him i will say um i used to date a lot of creatives because i am that sometimes part-time um that is not that is not clifton <laughs> so, which when i talk about like how we came together uh, in a lot of ways he and i are very different um but, but some of those other things, I mean, we have like common interests, sports, no. <laughs> I feel like I could probably make a list of more things that we don't have in common than we actually oh do, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, but I say all that to say there are uh, things that, yeah, just surprise me about, um, about my attraction to him, about you know, us dating and later being married because I didn't, I didn't see it for us. And and he would probably say the same, like it was kind of a fluke. Um, but proximity, um, because when you're working with someone or you're seeing them every day, you get to know them there, there is that intimacy. I, you know, you probably spend more time with the people at work than you do anywhere else. Um, and I guess the same could go for high school or college or wherever people are, are meeting folks that they're later paired up with. Um, but no, I think those top, I think those five definitely make sense. I think there's some exceptions to the rule though. Mm -hmm, for sure. I find Bianca that people get a little bit defensive when asked, why do you like what you like? And to me, 
<clears throat> to me, it's a very simple answer. It's 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 what I'm around. It's what I it's what I've been exposed to, and I often. You know, I think that that's so important. Um, you know, I'm from the South. I grew up around Southerners. It was a very diverse place. I mean, there was people from all different cultures there. And so I often wonder, what if I had grown up in another type of place where, um, where I wasn't exposed to all of that? I remember, I will never forget, my mom once asked me when I was in high school. She's like, um, she's like, why do you have all these white friends? Now, let me put a little context on that. I don't, my mom is not racist, but when she grew up, she went to an all black magnet high school. Every, and so everyone in her social network was, uh, was a person of color. And so that was her experience. And so when she asked me that, she was asking it from her perspective. And then I had to say, mom, you sent me to a majority white high school and you expect me to have no white friends? Like, how does that work? <laughs> Like, girl, what, what are you talking about? Like, like my, my social network reflects the pool that I'm in. Yeah. And she kind of stopped and she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Again, proximity. Like that is so, that is so key. I do think though, since the internet and since um, literally the expansion of social networks, um, if you will, th that changes things a little that that can change things a little bit in terms of you know what you're exposed to or or who you're around but yeah proximity you're right like it was it was the white kids because you were around the white kids <laughs> I mean I mean to me that just kind of made sense and 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 so I've always remembered that moment as a way of kind of explaining to people that what you like the the the, the relationships you build intimate or otherwise are really a reflection of what you're exposed to. And the more you're exposed to, I think the more diverse your taste and attractions become. Um, because if you because if you aren't exposed, then the onus is on you to kind of to kind of get outside that bubble. And that's just asking a lot of a person. You know, if you if you live in a community that's almost all white and almost all you know Christian and almost all whatever, and it's, it's really difficult to kind of have a worldview that's that's diverse. And so I always encourage people, leave your community, leave your state, leave your country, go out and explore, see other things, learn about other people. And that is going to be the best way to kind of have a fully formed view, at least in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. One last question. This kind of straddles the line between this segment and the next. Mm. Do you believe that innocent intimacies exist? And do you know what I even mean when I say I was going to, you know, I was going to say, define that for myself and the listeners. Thank you. So for me, so, so this is completely platonic. So mm -hmm. obviously when we're saying innocent, we're not, there's no physicality to it, but you have a relationship with someone that there is an emotional attachment to that is deeper than you would have with other friends. And so as we're talking about crushes and we're talking about what we're attracted to people, I'm talking about an intimacy that you may share with another person that goes beyond just the surface level friendship, but it hasn't gone so far as to be a sexual or a physical relationship. So let me give you, let me give you a concrete example. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in college, there was the, the you know, the idea uh, that you would, that you could cuddle with a friend and that it would can be completely platonic and that you weren't, there was no sex involved with this friend, but that you were just comforting each other. To me, that's an intimacy that you have with that person because to cuddle with someone, it's like a, it's a, it's like a very intimate thing. So you're not just cuddle with anybody, but at the same time, you're not partners with this person. You're not having sex with this person. So that is a, a, a concrete example of what I'm talking about. 
One, you can now pay people to cuddle. You know that, right? That is a... <laughs> Bianca, uh-uh. I am always... so weird and awkward. I am always... <laughs> one, I am Jamaican. So go... <laughs> oh, have multiple streams of income, as Evan taught us last week about monetizing the things. Why, but who would want to cuddle with a stranger, though? That doesn't even make any sense. Some people just want to cuddle. There, it is a whole service out there, and people are paying to... Anywho, neither here nor there. Yes. Because I think there are some... When I think of my friends... There are some folks that I think know me on just on a very different, very intimate level um, that I haven't been intimate with. You know what I mean? But I think, um, or even, have I cuddled with? (laughs) Let me, I don't, yeah. Maybe. Well, I'm, but I'm not saying that you have to cuddle with someone to have an intimacy with them. I thought right. was just giving you one, yeah. you and the yeah. listeners, one concrete example. <laughs> it could be just someone that you confide things in that you don't confide to anyone else or don't yes. even confide to your partner. Like yes. that's what I'm talking about. Like there are some people yeah. who are married who are in a monogamous relationship and then they have an intimacy with someone else where they share things that they don't even share to their partner. And mm-hmm. who are we to say that that's right, wrong or whatever. That's just mm-hmm. how they choose. To, that's how the relationships work. And sometimes it's it's completely platonic and innocent if you will and my Mm -hmm. question to you was just like do you believe in those I do because I think there are just going to be some I think there are going to be some relationships either before your spouse um I would say for for me probably before my spouse where people know me in a in a certain context and and have seen me uh good bad ugly and different and so there may be things that I share with them or or confide in them in a different way and I I remember um and I said the same thing to my husband like yes he is my partner he is my best friend but I know that he's not going to tell me everything Oh my God, we're going to get into that. But that's a segue. She just did a segue, y'all. I do it. (laughs) So hold that thought, Bianca, because in this week's All the Feels, we explore the power and the necessity of chosen family, also known as the close friends who are like blood. We specifically consider why chosen family is so important for BIPOC and queer people. And finally, we wrap this particular segment up by naming names. Bianca and I will share the five friends we want to celebrate today on this podcast. So B, should we do the, dis- I think we should do the disclaimer first Please. and just get that out of the way. Because this okay. is your petty idea. So <laughs> I'm going to do the disclaimer, then I'm going to tell you how I've approached this. So first and first, Bianca and I are going to be talking about some of our friends, but this is not intended to be a all-encompassing 100% list. So if you aren't mentioned, Please do not get up in your feelings. Do not send us some petty text. Do not stop taking our calls or safe and whatever. <laughs> that's not what this is because we can't name. We fully acknowledge we can't name all of our friends and that's not what this is about. So please, we love all of y'all. Just don't, don't, don't feel slighted if you're not mentioned because we are going to name names. That's the first thing. Then I want to tell you, Bianca, how I'm going to approach this and which is going to offer me some safety from what I just talked about. I need the same. I have... I have friends who listen to this podcast and friends who don't. Mm-hmm. So the friends who listen will be mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who don't listen, they don't know. They don't listen. So who the fuck cares? 
That is wise. But what if they start listening later? You know, it's what? on They're the internet. Now. It's forever. You know what? We can. We only. I can only go with what I know today. Okay. So, anything? Any preambles you want to give before we dive into this? That I love all of my friends equally and the same. And this idea was from Isaiah Webster, not Bianca Ward. So one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because I felt like it fit into the overall arc of this episode, but also my friends are so important to me and I couldn't, mm. I feel like it's a shame that we've gotten 13 episodes in without devoting some space to them. So I really wanted to kind of give them their flowers. And so that was really how I did it. Let's start, Bianca, with the concept of chosen family and its importance. Um, do you want to just get started on, on, on why we think that that's so critically important, especially for queer and BIPOC people? Because sometimes our birth family, I'm trying to put this nicely. Sometimes the birth family is trash. <laughs> that was the nice way of saying it. <laughs> Let me, I, think, I think as we get older, um, we start to see our, I, I think we begin to see our family in a different light, right? Like they're, just because we are our blood relatives, just because we are related does not mean that we have to like each other, <laughs> that we have to spend time. I think even as we get older, we even see our parents in a different light, right? A different light. Like we see them as human and flawed in a way that we may not have seen them um, that way as a, when we were children. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we can all think of folks in our family where it's like, mm, if we weren't family, I wouldn't like you or I wouldn't be around you or we would not, we would not speak. 100%. And for a variety, and for a variety of reasons. And so when we talk about, um, I think, especially when we talk about queer folks, um, <laughs> BIPOC queer folks at that, we, we, hear and know of all of the issues of being disowned by family or being forced in the closet by family or just just all of these um, negative toxic traumatizing things um, and so that is why those friendships and the chosen family and and people we are deliberately choosing to spend our time with our our lives with our you know confide in is so important and the reality is that that might not be your family and that really is okay I think there is a um I will say I think there might be a mourning kind of that that comes with that because we want that to be our family a lot of times or we see that in other people's families where they're close and they're supportive and they're affirming and we may want that for ourselves but if it if it's not how um, I think reminding people that you are empowered to choose a family um, or to choose people who you want to invest your time and your love in and when we were talking um, going back to the um you know, our last month's book club and talking about George, just how wonderful it was to read and see in his book, like how affirming and um, caring his his family was and just wanting that for more queer folks. But we know that that's not always the case. So choose, you you have the right to, let me, <clears throat> let me whisper to the folks. <laughs> you know, sometimes I got to, I gotta lean in. You're doing that again, Bianca. I'm gonna do it because <laughs> you are empowered to choose your family. They do not have to be blood. You do not 
have to spend time and energy with family members, that may be trash. It is okay to say, no, ma'am, no, thank you. Instead, (laughs) I am going to devote my time, energy, love, and space to people who uplift and affirm and care about me. So if that means you have to say, fuck you, Uncle Clyde, (laughs) that is okay. You are empowered. That's the word from Bianca Ward. You're welcome. I'm so sorry. So normally when she goes into that sultry voice, I just kind of play the music over her and we, when we're out. But she did it this time in the middle of the episode. So I, I can't cut that out. You're welcome. <laughs> this, I was thinking about this this week, Bianca, <clears throat> this chosen family, because I feel like Pose is handling it so well right now. Yes. And it was it oh. put it in the front of my brain to talk about this because really I should just, we should just watch the show because they're handling this topic so well. Uh, but for gay folks, particularly gay folks of color, it is chosen family is is as important as family. There's just no other way to say that. That's just the, the fact of the matter. Like I consider my friends to be equal in terms of my blood family. I wanted to get into best friends. So I have a quote unquote best friend. I've been for best friends with her since high school. Um, she's my age. You know, I feel like we're from similar experiences, et cetera, et cetera. She's the type of person where we can go weeks or even months without speaking. But whenever we do, we're right back to that space. I want to ask you two questions. And you, I think I kind of know the answer because you've, you've said it before, but I want to get into one aspect of it with you. Do you believe in quote unquote best friends? And do you believe that spouses can be best friends? Like really? Because I, like, I feel like that's something that spouses say to each other. And I remember when I was partnered for a significant amount of time, I didn't consider him to be my best friend because Jennifer always has been. Uh, but I, I, you've referenced Cliff as your best friend. So I, want, I would like to hear your thoughts. Well, well, so I do believe that. So first, I believe that you can have more than one best friend. I think friends are, <laughs> I think they, I, I, as we'll kind of get into these, these specific categories of, of friends, I think sometimes there is that. So um, I think of a best friend in terms of somebody that I can be the most vulnerable with that can literally see me um, at my best, see me at my worst, where I can really put it all out there um, and know that I will not be judged and and know that 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 is um, a safe space, right? A safe and a brave space where I can be completely that. Um, And so I think that that's why I say that Cliff is... uh, one of, because I am going to be clear, one of <laughs> my best friends, because I know, I know that I have that place and space with him. Now, I want to ask you this question, and I don't want to come across as, you know, being contrarian, but is that a cop out? Is by saying you have multiple best friends, is that a cop out by not picking just Why one? Why do we have to pick just one? You know what? You don't have to. And I know, I know people are rolling their eyes like, why does, why does Isaiah feel like everyone has to do what he does? Like, I get it. I get it. But I mean, how, how many is, how many so, best friends are you going to so have? Can you, Two, three, four? So what, then do you the change it and say, um, so maybe it is just in the term. Um, then do you change it from best friend to close friends? Here's what I'm getting, getting. At. Okay. I feel like 
and you can stop me if you think I'm I'm extrapolating too much. I feel like people shy away from saying who their best friend is or putting that label on because it offends all the people who who aren't who don't get the label. Like when you have a lot of really close friends and then you're out here saying, oh, but 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 John Doe's my best friend, then all of Jane Doe's are like, <laughs> you know, now they're up in their feelings. <laughs> You know how it is. You know, you know, it's imagine how hard it is when it's time to pick who's going to stand up in your wedding. And you are, you are, you're, you're, you have all this angst because you don't want to let someone down. You don't want to disappoint because you know, if you don't ask so-and-so, she's going to be crying and carrying on and just like, you don't want all that. Like, you're not trying to hurt somebody. You're just like, I only got five spots. I only have one rose. <laughs> right. I know you can relate to that. Yes. No, that is, that is real. That, ooh. Mm. <laughs> That is real. Um, I don't know if there has to be. So maybe I am uh, polyamorous when it comes to my friend group. Who was your Who was your maid of honor? Alexis. And that was your best friend. Yes. Okay. So I think that's how you know. Whoever However. the lady, whatever whatever person the lady picks to be her maid of honor, that's usually the best friend. Or some people don't do friends at all and just do family. The, so my cousin, when my cousin got married, oh, well, she just true. did her sisters. Because yeah. she was like, look, I'm not gonna do, we're not doing we're this. We're not doing this. So then y'all can all just be mad. It's just, it's just family. <laughs> so this is how we're going to do this. So I picked five categories of friendship. And we're going to talk about the people that are so important to our lives and that we want to lift up and mm -hmm. offer some flowers to virtually today. Here are the categories. We're going to talk about work friend or work spouse. We're going to talk about the funny friend. We're going to talk about that friend that gets on your nerves, but you love them anyways. We're going to talk about the crazy friend that gets you into trouble. And then we're going to talk about the friend that inspires you or opens your eyes. So five different friends. And Bianca, I'm just going to give it away for, for a couple of these. Let me look at my list. Actually, for the first one, I have multiple people, but for everyone else, I just have one person. How did you, the first, did you approach The first one, I definitely had multiple people. <laughs> well, so I, ha I do have a work spouse and yes. she's, I mean, you know who it is. And we'll, I'll talk about her in a second, but there are some other people who, I would never cheat on Angela, but if there's some other people that I might consider cheating on Angela with, <laughs> and I have to give, I have to give them an honorable mention because I love them. So can I go first? Yeah, of course you can. So my work spouse is Angela and we've mentioned her on this podcast before and she is just a remarkable person. She always tells this story about how when she was interviewing for our company, she thought I didn't like her and she thought that I was the only person who didn't like her when in actuality, I thought she was amazing from, from the jump. She is an extraordinary black woman, a mother, a wife, um, a confidant, she's just smart and funny and like comforting. And I don't know, I don't know how you could not like Angela and Bianca knows her really, really well. There's nothing about her to dislike. She is just, the, she's that person that, that everyone wants to have in their life because you always know that she's going to be there for you, that she is going to have something kind to say, that she's gonna have a warm smile. Like, I, she, I can't think of any negatives about her. So I just, I think the world of her, she listens to this podcast every week. She might be somewhere crying. I could totally Angela, see her love crying. love you to death. <laughs> You're the best work spouse ever. Now, some honorable mentions that aren't work spouses, but people I need to name check so that they don't cut me. Um, Emily and Mike and Rosie, like these are my, these are my, these are my folks, my people. <laughs> Mike is probably my work husband. If I had a work husband, um, I can always kiki with, with Mike. And then Emily is just, Emily's just 
great people. <laughs> There's just no one, her wit is amazing. And what I even need to say about Rosie, I mean, I can't imagine not knowing Rosie at this point. So those are those are my my work spouse and what are we calling them? Work uh, extras. <laughs> your your work <laughs> bridal party. <laughs> I want to know who your work spouse is and is it me? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you, I don't know what category I would put you in. <laughs> um, work conspirator. I don't know. <laughs> know what it is because I will definitely say um nobody could have told me that we would be where we are now because similarly to Angela I, when I first met you I was like oh he don't like me I don't like him <laughs> there was something because your face you were petty I don't know but here we are I heart you um so I don't even think work friends I have work family at this point. Um, and I am going to to shout out my work sisters because there are three. Shit, there's really four. One doesn't listen to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> if she doesn't listen, she'll never know you didn't mention her. <laughs> so we are going to overlap, but um Boatima, Rosie, Angela for sure. Um, they have been uh my lifeline, my oxygen mask. <laughs> my my raft when the plane is going down network um just three truly incredible brilliant um brilliant women who and it's it's interesting when we think of because I have had work family at at various jobs like I, I can think of previous jobs where you ha- I had that work squad those those folks that really and I'm good friends with now um so also how important that is. And I know when I came to my job, I was, I had come in saying, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> I'm just here to work. I was trying to do things. Run different. me my money so <laughs> I can go home. <laughs> Give me my benefits so I can leave. <laughs> but I thought I was going to do things differently because I was really worried about being attached. Part of the reason why it was so hard for me to leave my last job was um, my coworkers and the people that I worked with that I had literally grown up with in a lot of ways. So I thought going into this new position that I was going to do something very different and just be an employee, work, collect check, hit it. Um, Never realizing that I would have found and just fallen head over heels for for these three amazing um, women. Uh, And again, we are not to say, look, nobody get mad because the folks we work with are dope. Like they're just, uh, I could, yeah, I could, I could name all of them, but I am going to today shout out Boatsma, Rosie, and Angela. All right. So I went first on the first one. I'm gonna let you go first on the second. So our second category is funniest friend or funny friend. So this one um, was interesting because there's a, a quote or a meme or something that I saw a long time ago that was like, your cousins are your first best friends, right? And I know we had talked about family, but I ride hard for my family. I really love those people. Um, there might be one or two. I might be like, eh. but no, I've, <laughs> I have come from a very big family and I love them. So actually my funny friend is my cousin, Tasha. She is she is my funny friend slash my really woke friend that also gets on my nerves. <laughs> she be like, 
dropping all of the, the conspiracies and things. And she just hella woke. And I'm like, girl, I just want to go to Target and I feel bad. Like, I don't, but we, she's hilarious. Like we get on the phone and we'll just laugh till we're crying. And it has literally been like that our entire lives. So um, I have a lot of funny friends, but she, yeah, my cousin, Tasha, shout out to her. She's, she's dope. Who you got? Shout out to Tasha. So for my funny friend, I actually had him in another category. Um, I had him in the inspirational category at first, but then when I looked at the whole list, he was the funniest by far of the people I had chosen to put on this list. So I moved him. So my funny friend that I want to uh, lift up is Sean. Um, I'm actually having dinner with him later tonight, but anyway. Hey, we are the same age he is from he's a midwesterner he is one of those people where bianca i can talk to him about anything politics history sports we both love sports he's really into uh wwe wrestling and i was really into that at one point i think he still might be because you know he's weird um but don't do him like that (laughs) you're weird john is super super funny he is one of the few people who can always always make me laugh because, you know, as, as I'm a funny person. <laughs> and so as a, as a result of that, I, it's hard for other people to make me laugh because I find other people are unwilling to do the one thing that makes you really funny, which is to be self-deprecating and to kind of w- your a willingness to be silly. Mm-hmm. And Sean has that willingness to be silly. He's really smart. He's a really serious person, but he's not afraid to just make fun of himself and to just kind of let go. And can I think that that's where humor comes from? He would actually have have been a really good, I think, stand-up comedian. I don't think I've ever told him this. He would have probably been really good at that. He did do, um, what do you call that stuff where you like say something and another person says improv. He did do improv and he was really good at that. I think he would have been good at at being at being a comedian, but that's hard to make money at, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So um so Sean is my is my funny friend. Sean, if you're listening, (laughs) there you go. Um, the next category that it's on your nerves, but you love them anyways. Define that some more. Go, go deeper with that. Cause I want to make sure I'm choosing the right person. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than just saying that. Actually, I can tell you who I picked for that. I've already mentioned her. Go ahead. I picked Jennifer. I picked my best friend for this category. (laughs) (laughs) And oddly enough, she doesn't listen to the podcast now. I could get in my feelings about the quote unquote best friend not listening to the podcast, but Bianca, I don't want to miss the blessing this week because I feel like I need to collect as many as I can. And so I have mentioned to Jennifer about this podcast and she said she listened to the pilot and she couldn't hear Bianca and blah, blah. Don't do that. I was, wait, wait, wait. Here's an example of her getting on my nerves. I'm like, girl, we put out 12 episodes. What are you talking about? Like that's, that is no excuse. So that's a classic example of this woman getting on my nerves. But at this point, we're more like sisters than we are <laughs> friends. And like, I just, you know, she's always been there. Um, and despite the fact that she drives me crazy at times, she always will be there. And like, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so to me, she kind of fits this category to a T. So when I think of someone who gets on your nerves occasionally, but that you know you're always gonna love and you can depend on, for me, that's who it is, Jen. So this is actually a pair. I, I'm sorry, I had to. Because now when you describe that and I think of them, I'm like, mm, yes. I mean, you are allowed. I can't put too many rules on you. I mean, I you mean, are a 50% owner of this podcast. And I thank you. <laughs> I, 
I am the ward to your Webster. So, uh, oh, and now, okay. So this pair, um, and they are the godparents to our children. <laughs> so Rookie and Joey, if you are listening. So Rookie, I thought of first, um, because she gets on my nerves because she pushes me. She challenges me. She holds me accountable. And I hate that. <laughs> so, I, But I love her anyway. Um, because she, she will, she will, oh, she gets on my, oh, I love her. She gets on my nerves. Um, and Joey the same way. Um, also some of the pushing, the challenging, just him being his annoying, goofy self, um, but wonderful and dependable at the same time. And that is why they are literally the godparents to our children. Uh, because despite anything, those are, those are my ride or die like when they have been there for for every important moment of my life and so uh but they get on my nerves I think these people are also the people that know us really well and will call us out on our shit (laughs) so thank you Joey and Rookie I feel by the time you've if you got to the level of godparents then that goes without saying that you are you're invited to the cookout (laughs) they can come they gonna get on my nerves about it but they can come See, this isn't hard, Bianca. You're doing really great. I was afraid that you were not going to lean into this. You're doing a great job. No one's going to be offended with we'll you see. after today. Uh, so our fourth category is that crazy friend that gets you into trouble, but you end up liking it anyways. This category was like, I was like, get me into trouble. Like we getting arrested because I think another, I think another category it. is who is that friend that you're calling to bail you out? <laughs> that that would have been a very good category. You know what? This is our show. We can add it if you want to, but that would have been a very, because not everyone, even if they like you, they're not going to go into their pocketbook. <gasps> Who can you ask? What friend can you ask for money? And Ooh. they'll give it to you. Ooh. That would have been for, for later, we'll add that to <laughs> I mean, it is money made. <laughs> it is money made. Okay, um, you want to go first this time? This is actually someone who uh, I've known for a long time. Her name is Ebony. I have a few Ebony's, but this one in particular is one of those people that I don't talk to all the time, as you kind of mentioned with Jennifer, like we can go weeks, months, a long time without speaking, right? But she will then say, hey, what are you doing next Sunday between the hours of 12 and 5? You want to get together? And I'll be like, okay. (laughs) And I know it's always going to be an adventure. So I was thinking about it as like, gets you into trouble. Mm, Yes, but also somebody that pushes you out of your comfort zone. So she has done this and we have done things like it might be simple, like she'll surprise me and we'll go see a play. And I'm like, oh, this is lovely. And other times they'll be like, girl, we're going pole dancing. And I'm like, no, bitch, we're not. But okay. (laughs) So that friend that... She has invited me to do things over the years that I don't, I just don't think I would have ever done. And so, yeah, she pushes, she helps me to push my boundaries. And I always end up having a good time, except that pole dancing. That pole class, I was not for it. Bianca is not sexy on nobody's pole, but that's for another time. Kudos to the girls that are. (laughs) I would have loved to have seen that. So you've actually met this person I'm going to mention here, and it's Evan. So when Evan came on last week, he was in his professional presentation. I actually joked with him after that I had never experienced him so professional and so circumspect. 
Evan is a, a complete and utter <laughs> hot mess good time when he is when he's not working. And I could tell you some tales, but I can't because he would kill me after he's worked so hard to to erect this persona on this <laughs> show. <laughs> I can't tell you all. I can tell you once we we stop recording. But just just know this. Evan has pulled me into some stuff throughout the years where I was like, girl, are we going to get out of here in one I piece? can imagine. <laughs> and he's just like, hush, it's going to be fine. And, but he is always a good time. You will never not have fun with Evan. He is, he is truly the life of the party. He is resourceful. He is um, loyal. He is all the things you want to have in a friend. And you will definitely, you might end up in jail or you might have an opportunity oh, to go to jail but you will definitely have a good time um he is that type of person um so evan of course he listens to this show you are the friend that gets me into trouble or would if i didn't have some gumption to me but we also know that he's a successful business owner so hopefully if y'all end up in jail he has a little money stashed <laughs> away that somebody can access to bail y'all out we we need those friends that can bail us out <laughs> <laughs> well, and then our final category, that friend who inspires you and or opens your eyes. Um, <clears throat> so there is someone that I wanted to, to mention. So um, I have a friend named Jessica, who I've known since college. We used to work uh, at the college newspaper together. We were both editors at the same time, and we had a lot of classes together because uh, we were both pursuing journalism. And she did it to a much greater extent that I, than I did after college. Jessica is a wife and a mother. She lost two children um, um, very young. And Jessica has been very open about that grief. And she's been very open about what that process is like. And she is someone who has committed a lot of her time to having that discussion publicly and helping people work through grief, particularly parents who've lost kids. I can't imagine Bianca, because I'm not a parent. I can't imagine what that pain must be like. And I can't imagine finding the strength to actually talk about it in such a public way with strangers in, a, in an effort to make people see and kind of um, have empathy for others and to then to try to be a part of a broader discussion. It is so inspirational to me because it's the type of courage that I don't have, um, but she does it with such grace. And, and I just think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that um, she always, she keeps the spirit of her children um, alive, uh, the, uh, the ones that have passed on. And she, and you know, she's very upfront about that. And so she would have no problems with me talking about it on the show because it's what she does in on her social media in the world. And she uplifts other people who, who have similar experiences. So Jessica, I love you. I think that it's amazing that, that you have such a great core strength. Your family is beautiful. And I appreciate you for being willing to share so much of yourself with others. It is truly remarkable. I am giving some flowers to my friend, Erin. She and I um, met, <laughs> we say we met when we were playing in P together, um, <laughs> but we were still, we both working like HIV and STDs. And she was working at Howard and I was doing the testing there, um, the HIV and STD testing there. And so um, this is over 10 years ago now. And we just met and clicked. And 
but she is um, also a wife, a mother, a business owner, working on her PhD. Um, she inspires me because I'm always like, she's really my shero. I'm like, what would Erin do? I don't know if she knows that, but when it comes to seeing her raising her children and the the love and the val- the values and the integrity um, and the pride that she instills in them, she also homeschools all three. That alone <laughs> is magic because I cannot wait till Thursdays and Fridays to get these kids about my house and send them <laughs> to a public school. Okay. Get out. Um, but you know, she says that that homeschooling is her protest, but she is just passionate and driven. Um, and despite any um, challenges or anything that's come her way, she just tackles things head on with such grace and she is smart as hell. Um, and so we have literally, we are, our weddings were a day apart. We, our kids are around the same age. So like we really have kind of journeyed through this, this portion of our life together, but she is really amazing and she just inspires me to be better. Um, so shout out to Erin. This got me all in my feels. You get on my nerves. I was not planning this to come in here. Call all the feels yeah. for a reason. I know. I wasn't coming out here to feel today, <laughs> but I have so many honorable mentions. You can, you want to, you want to, you want to do your honorable mention? Okay, real quick. The person that will help me bury a body. (laughs) You mean Isaiah? (laughs) Because I'll help you bury a body, especially if we're going to, especially if we're named in the inheritance. Isaiah. (laughs) Yes. Um, Or or that person I'd probably commit a crime with. So Alexis, Alexis. Bianca, you don't, wait, first of all, before you say, you don't want to, you don't want to admit to crimes on a recording because this could be used as evidence against you later. Okay, well, we haven't, but I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) When they talk about ride or die, (laughs) it's probably going to be Alexis. Alexis and I, um, we have been friends 33 years. So literally since we were five. Um, Maid of honor in my wedding, but just she is so many things. I, I feel like I, I have watched her grow up because she and I'm a listen, she used to be rowdy as hell. I'm gonna say that on this here, and maybe she'll listen. Um, <laughs> so to watch her like grow up and also become like wife, mother, and all these things, but I think she's still that person. If I was about that life, to call and be like, girl we gonna have to go over here and slash some tires. I feel like she'd be like, all right, be on my side. <laughs> let's, let's go. And um, mm, going back to that crazy friend that gets you into trouble, who she does listen would be Rachel. Uh, I hope her mama's not listening, but there may have been a time or two when we took her car. <laughs> no, Rachel, oh my God. Rachel ain't have nobody's driver's license. <laughs> car and went to like Marshalls or TJ Maxx or some dumb shit in high school. <laughs> Just, okay. Um getting in trouble, but always liking it. And and she and I have been friends since junior high. So she is another one of those people that also inspire me. She is holi- oh always a good time. Oh always a good time. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. There's so many. But that that question of who you the friend you can borrow money from. Does someone come to mind? It would probably also be Alexis. I, I think I might say to her, girl, I need a couple, two, three dollars. I might, I'm, I may have already done that. <laughs> in, 
she and she might be like, okay, hold on, let me go find it. Would it be legal? I don't know. <laughs> she might go find it and bring it back. Well, we hope you enjoyed this section on chosen family. It's very important to Bianca and I, and we know it's important to all of you. So to our chosen family, we appreciate you. We love you and you getting your flowers today. And now I'm going to pass it over to Bianca for Gotta Do. In this week's Gotta Do, we are talking with our special guest today, Ms. Beverly Thomas, all about life insurance, why we need it, what it does, how it can benefit us and our families. Welcome. Hi, Ms. Beverly. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're here. <laughs> <laughs> You heard me struggle. So <laughs> we are we are here and happy to have you. So before we dive into all of the things, I just have to say, because Isaiah doesn't know, Miss Beverly is the reason why Grace exists, why my daughter exists. Uh-huh. I was about Cliff? to I was about to say Miss Beverly got me pregnant, but I didn't think <laughs> that was <laughs> Like, oh, what you told me? I got you pregnant. <laughs> so, fun fact, and I will make a very long story short, but I will never forget. So, um, at my previous employer, Miss Beverly was our AFLAC agent. She came and did all of the things and made sure we had all of the policies and just always got us together. And after my son, I remember talking to her, it was early April, and I said, oh, I don't need short-term disability because I'm not having any more kids. But it was great. I had Aflac when I, you know, was on Better Us with Noah. And she said to me, I will never forget, because she was signing me up for my policy, and she, she said something to the fact like, I think there's one more. Are you sure? There might be one more in you. And I was like, oh, no, Miss Beverly. And I literally said, if I have another child. It is yours and you're going to raise it. And I walked out. And then on the way home, I stopped at CVS. Something <laughs> <laughs> said, Bianca. <laughs> and I will never, <laughs> I found out I was pregnant. I, I called Miss <laughs> Beverly later that week and I said, ma'am, you got me pregnant. <laughs> Those were your exact words. You got me pregnant. I said, what? <laughs> How did I do that? How could you tell? Did she just have a glow or did you just, did you have an intuition? I, you know, I, I she was just, gonna, I wasn't going to let her be selfish and have one child. I <laughs> that would be too selfish to have one child and not have that child have a sibling on this earth. It was just not going to happen. And I was dead set on the fact she that was. I was like, oh, I don't need, I don't need short-term disability. Nope. I'm good. And I was also being cheap. And I was like, <laughs> nope. I don't need all of those things. But I say that to say, um, Ms. Beverly knows all of the things. Uh, she is extremely knowledgeable and I am glad um, that she saw in me literally something I didn't see in myself. <laughs> so before we get into all of our questions, just a little bit of information. So Miss um, Beverly's primary goal is making a positive difference in the business and personal lives of her clients. Over the last 20 years, she has accomplished this goal by being an expert in providing voluntary benefits to employees on a daily basis. And she's a senior consultant at the Voluntary Benefit Group. Did I get all that correct? Yeah, close enough. Okay. <laughs> 
please correct me because I want to make sure that you have all of your things. <laughs> no, that was great. I'm just messing with you. So tell us a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about what you do and your and your role at the voluntary benefit group. What I do is I provide um, companies, I go to companies and provide different benefits for them to offer their employees. So when you typically have your open enrollment at your company, they come in and they're talking about health insurance and life insurance and dental and vision and all these things that you've got to like pick and choose and figure out what you need. I do a little bit more than throw some paper in front of you and say, pick one before this date. I kind of sit down with people one-on-one and figure out based on your household and what's going on and your age and things that you want to do, what might be best for you and your family. And and the benefits just kind of help you have a financial safety net. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of times we look at a lot of things in our lives, but we don't look at these things as much as we should. So I'm more of a consultant to kind of help you figure out what's available, what it can do for you, and then you can make a better decision. So I actually consider myself an educator. I love it. And, And absolutely. And I think in this particular season, um, just the past year with the pandemic, I think, I know for me, it definitely opened my eyes to the importance of life insurance, um, especially when, you know, folks were, were, were and still are just, just passing away very prematurely. Um, I can't tell you the number of GoFundMes I've, I've contributed to. So let's talk specifically about, about life insurance, because I think it's one of those things that um, we need, or maybe folks don't want to think about because we don't want to think about death. But yeah, tell us the importance of life insurance. Well, absolutely. I think the reason people don't talk about it because it's scary. Because now I'm talking about dying and leaving this earth, and we don't want to, you know, talk about it. But um, I hope to be—I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're all going to die. That's just it, folks. We're, it's going to happen to you. Now, Period. I'm not that good where I can tell you when and how, but I just know it's going to happen. So life insurance is for a couple of things. Number one, someone has to bury you. Most mm. funerals are costing ten dollars to $12,000. So if you don't have life insurance or money set aside for that, your family and friends are going to be doing GoFundMes and trying to find out money to bury you or, you know, having a kind of a shorten up this funeral because we don't have enough money for everything. So we won't have a repass and just not doing it the right way. So a minimum, you want to be able to bury yourself. And then if there are people in your life that depend upon your income, such as if you're married, you have a spouse or you have children that you have to ask yourself, if something happened to you today, would your family be okay financially? For most of us, the answer is no. Because when you have a two-income family, there are two incomes because it takes two incomes for that family to keep it moving. So when one of those incomes go away, then the spouse may have to downsize in the house. They may have to move. They can't stay in the house, even the apartment, move in with family. The kids don't have everything that they need because you know now you've got one parent working two, three jobs just to pay the bills. So they're not giving the kids the attention and what they need to grow them into great individuals. And if the kids have a desire, you have a desire for them to go to college, there's no money for that. So it's for those people you love. So really when you get life insurance, it's your last way of telling someone, I really love you guys and I'm gonna take care of you even when I'm not here. So that's why you need life insurance. So a lot of people have their insurance, both life insurance and medical insurance through work, particularly in black and brown communities, uh, which is where, you know, Bianca and I do a lot of our discussions here on this podcast. Talk to us about who should get life insurance, particularly those people who may feel like 
you know, I have a policy through work. Why is this something that I need to further think about or further do? And because I, I feel like I have I have a story that I'll share in a second, but I have a feeling that uh, the coverage that folks have might not be sufficient to cover some of the things you just. And that's about. absolutely true. The one thing I tell people is that you should always have life insurance outside of your job because your job is not guaranteed. If you look at the pandemic in 2020, a lot of people lost their jobs because of what was going on. And guess what? If the only life insurance they had was through the job, they are now in the middle of a pandemic with no life insurance. That's what you just put yourself into. People don't stay in the old days, people stayed in the jobs and they retired from the job 30 years later. People are in a job, you know, three, four years and they're on to the next job. So you need something that you're always going to have, regardless of whether you move across the country, you change jobs, that that life insurance stays with you. That's why what the company gives you, number one, that's great if the company gives you a policy. But for most of those policies, number one, if you leave the company, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, you can't take it with you. So you lose it. In the rare times, if you can take it with you, the price is going to go up extremely high that you can't afford to keep it, uh, or the face value actually will go down and decrease. So a lot of things happen. So the only way that you know that you have life insurance that you're able to keep, no matter what's going on, if you purchase it on your own. And would you, and this is a recommendation for people of any age, or is there a certain age where it needs to be of, of heightened concern? It's any age, and here's why. When you're young, it's very inexpensive. So if you get it when you're young, it's, you know, I tell people it's the cost of uh, going to Wendy's and get the five for five for most people. If you're in your 20s, you know, you're talking like $5 a paycheck or something. And, and so we throw that away because what I always tell people, um, you know, a lot of times people say, I can't have another thing come out my paycheck. It's not, a, it's not a matter of another thing coming out your paycheck. It's what you do with what comes out your paycheck. So most of us, um, we, you know, Amazon was at our house every other day during the pandemic. We're ordering online. We're eating out, uh, Grubhub, we're delivering groceries. So we're spending the money. And all I'm telling people is take a little bit of the money you're spending anyway and do something that makes sense for your family and your finances. Because we're all going out. And before the pandemic, we were going to the movies. We were going to concerts. We were going traveling. So we're all spending money. I tell people the story when I used to leave my office. I used to be addicted to Wawa coffee. I'm no longer addicted. I, I'm now free of three years <laughs> of my addiction. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. So I would have my little machine, my Kirk machine, and I'd have my Wawa coffee. I was too lazy to put it in the machine at home. I would go on my way to work, stop at Wawa, get me a cup of coffee when I could have made it at home much cheaper. So it's like those little things that you don't see that you're doing. But by the time the end of the week adds up, that was a policy or two. Um, I have a person that told me they pay the lottery every day and they pay, they pay about $25 a day. And I looked at them and said, do you understand how much money annually you're paying in the lottery? They had no idea it was that much because they were thinking, oh, I just said $5 a day for lunch, $5 in the evening, $10 here, there. So they weren't thinking of it, but we're spending the money anyway. Take some of that and do something that's good for our families. When I added up how much money I was giving Starbucks for that cup of coffee every morning, I almost slapped my own self because it was absurd, Miss Beverly. And when I tell you, you just made a point. So yes, now you you spoke my language just there. And I will definitely say, um, I didn't have an, uh, and, and my husband and I didn't have an 
policies independent of work until we were like in between jobs. And it was in that moment when I was like, oh, I am not working. I don't have a life insurance policy. I might need to do that. And that's what, you know, that's what made me reach out and just having something outside of work. And and when you talk about how affordable it is, I think it's like $14 a month comes out. Like I don't even miss it, but there is comfort in knowing that just in case, you know? And I want to get back to one of the things you asked before, you know, like what age should you be worried about? And I said every age, because as you get older, the rates are going to be higher for you. Mm-hmm. And also you're going to probably have more medical situations going on. So to get through underwriting may be a little bit harder for you at that point as well. So when you're healthy, get it. Uh, you won't miss it. Uh, it's, it's just something, even on the babies. I had a client before her granddaughter was killed in a car accident. I think the baby was maybe four or five and they didn't have any life insurance on the baby because you never think about having life insurance on little ones like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that happened, she got life insurance on all of her grandkids. She says, no, this is never going to happen in my family again, because even though we don't think about it, accidents happen every day. So you got to you got to be prepared. So what would you say in terms of is there a formula that folks should use in terms of how much coverage or how much insurance um, they should have and and what determines that cost? You know, a lot of life insurance agents will tell you have at least seven or eight times your annual salary. For a lot of people, that's not reasonable. They can't do that. You know, it's just, you know, because I always tell people you have to have money to live. Now you got to prepare for when you're not here, but you also got to live as well. So you got to find that balance and that mix. And so for each person, I think it's different because if you have a great, a lot of money invested into your retirement plan or somewhere else you can if you were to be deceased, your spouse can tap into, then maybe you can get a smaller life insurance policy because you know between the two of them, they're going to be okay. If you have nothing and you have seven kids, you know, you got to look at your situation. And that's why I think it's not one of those things, just click a button and get the cheapest thing. Really talk to somebody about, you know, what it is you want to do with this life insurance. Because the other thing that people want to do, some people, is to leave Um, money to their family, to their children. And so, you know, you got to consider if I do, how much am I trying to leave? Or maybe there's a charity you want to donate to and you really want to support even while you're gone. So I think life insurance, I don't think the formula works for everybody. You know, everything that's put out there, especially for people in the black and brown community, everything that other people put out there doesn't always work for us. So I think Mm -hmm. it's just sitting down with someone and getting educated. And I think the problem with that is most people are afraid because of their lack of knowledge in that area. They're afraid to talk to somebody about it, but don't be afraid, educate yourself and and just have a conversation with with someone to kind of figure out what your needs really are. Can I just ask a quick follow-up question to to something? Um, So how does it, because I honestly, I don't know. So if a loved one is deceased or if I pass away unexpectedly, et cetera, how does then my husband get the policy? Like, how do those things, because I also think, um, you know, I know if, if I lost him, et cetera, I'd be in such an emotional state that I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about those things, but how does that, how does that in fact happen or those transactions are made? Well, a couple of things. Number one is, um, you got to have that person now as your beneficiary. 
So sometimes, you know, if you have someone down as your beneficiary, let them know you have a policy and they're the beneficiary because the insurance company is not going to come looking for you saying, hey, we got some money over here. You know, this person had True. They're not going to say a word. It's going to be mom's word. <laughs> if she don't know, she don't know. So number one, let that person know that there's a policy available. Uh, you know, you can just, you know, have it written down somewhere, a policy number so that they can proceed. You are the beneficiary on my policy. And in the saying that, make sure you have named the beneficiary. And it's important who you put on there. Um, you need to think about who you're putting out as beneficiary. And I tell especially young people, I said, you know, a lot of times people are living together and you do what you do. But I said, that person you're living with has no legal obligation to bury you. If you put their name on this policy, they can take this money and walk away and your family still has to find money to bury you. So just think about that when you're putting that name down. Or if you have kids, they're not the father or the mother of the kids, and you want the money to actually go to your children, you need to think about it. Yeah, I love you, but let me do this a little bit different so I make sure this money stays in the hands of my kids. And the hardest question I ask people is, who do you want to name as your beneficiary? So many people will stop in their tracks and say, I don't know. Like, who do I trust to do the right? I said, who do you trust to do what's right for you as far as your burial, as far as your kids? And that could be two separate people, but you got to have somebody that you trust to do these things because that's, that's very important. So naming a beneficiary is extremely important and it's something that people think that I have to name my spouse because he's my spouse. No, you don't. You really don't. Legally, you don't have to name your spouse. You can name your boyfriend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, hey. That's kidding, folks. All of them. <laughs> I've had situations when people have named, and I have situations a lot of times when, uh, especially guys, will name their mother and they're married. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be some mess going on. You are that. asking for trouble. I know. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, I'm okay. You want to split it again? I'm like, nope, all of it goes to my mother. Okay. And I'm like, okay. But so you just have to be careful about that. I lost my thought because I wanted to get that in about making sure you name a beneficiary. So what was your question again? <laughs> no, because that is, that is so important because Isaiah and I have talked about in this show that I know in the event of my demise, Grace is going to use all my money to become a YouTube influencer. <laughs> so hence her yes, father is the beneficiary. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but no, it was just in general, in terms of like, what is the process oh, yeah. once? Yeah. Let me back up a second, because here's the thing. When you talk about the first thing you're going to talk about with life insurance, it's going to be buried. You know, this person needs to be buried, cremated or whatever. Well, the funeral home is not going to do anything until unless you can produce either life insurance policy saying you have life insurance, you're signing over to them to pay for this, but you got a credit card that just went through for the cost. So you're going to have to, you know, and, and so what happens when someone passes, you, the beneficiary needs to notify the life insurance company, and they're going to need a copy of the death certificate uh, before they're able to release any money. For most of the time, the, the, the uh, funeral home will go ahead with the barrel if you sign a document saying that the insurance, um, you show them the policy and you say, you know, I'm signing this over that the insurance company will pay you. Uh, for the funeral and the proceeds left over, you would then give to me. So that's how most people get buried because most people don't have the money up front because it takes about two to three weeks uh, for a good life insurance company to get you paid. Some of them take a little bit longer if there's something they need to investigate or whatever. But normally a couple of weeks and most people are trying to have the burial and things done before three weeks. 
So you're going to either sign it over to the uh, company, the funeral home, or you're going to have a good credit card <laughs> or cash that you can pay for the funeral. But again, if the person doesn't know, I know people right now, I just know someone who just buried their mother and they did not know, they paid for everything. They didn't know their mother had a policy, didn't know they were beneficiary. Their mother's friend told them, your mom had a life insurance policy, you're on it. But the mother never told the daughter, so she had no idea. So you have to discuss these things with your, your family so that they know it's out there. Let's talk about the difference in policies and, and maybe clear up some of the terminology because I'm just going to be honest, uh, Ms. Beverly, I, I this is new to me, all of it. So when we say term versus whole, what do those terms mean? What's the difference? Okay. Term means it has a specific term, whether it's 10 year, 20 year, 15 year, 30 year, that policy has a time period that it's good for. So if you have a, a 30 year term policy, that means that your rates are not gonna change over the next 30 years. If you were to die over the next 30 years, your beneficiary would get whatever face value amount you selected. So let's say it's $100,000, that's what they would get. Let's say 30 years come and go and you're still kicking, 30 years in a day, you're still here, then you're gonna have to make a choice. You either going to have to convert that to a whole life or permanent policy or lose the policy altogether. Whole life is just like it say for your whole life, it's permanent. So you're not going to worry about most whole life policies are going to go up to like age 100. Most of us won't make it to age 100. So we don't have anything to worry about, but they also build cash value that you can borrow against. Uh, so you can take loans out on again. So it has cash value that it builds up. So once the policy does get to age 100, let's say you're one of the few that make it, then you can cash in the cash value. So you still have something there. Now, whole life is going to cost you about two and a half to three times more than term. So it's much, much more expensive because it's locking in forever. There are times in your life when whole life is best for you. There are times when it's term and there's time you might want to have whole life and term life. So that's not like a one size fits all. When people are building their families and they're young and they've got young kids and they're buying a house. Uh, a lot of times term life fits them better because they can't put all of their money into life insurance, but they are covered during that period and they can always make some changes later on. So it just really depends on where you are in your life that what's going to fit your needs best. Just keep, just remember term has a particular ending to it. Whole life does not. Thank you for clearing that up because I was using them interchangeably and not knowing the difference and didn't know you could get it so you were 100 so thank you this is why we brought you on so Isaiah and I um, both work in public health um, specifically in HIV and so what types of insurance or what is available for folks with pre-existing conditions because I know that that sometimes is a barrier um, to people being able to access life insurance outside of their job as well Okay, a couple of things. A lot of times the, the good thing about when you get it on your job, like I do have some policies that I have that you can get on your job that won't change when you leave your job. Most of the policies do, but I have some that will not change. The rate stays the same, et cetera. Um, so those, most of those policies, a lot of times when you first enroll in those, you can get a guaranteed issue. So you don't have to answer any medical questions. So you don't have to worry about pre-existing conditions. And then the policy stays the same. But a lot of them, when the job pays for it, um, you can get a guaranteed issue, but you can't keep it once you leave. That's the bad part of it. Um, there's life insurance out there for everybody, regardless of your pre-existing conditions. Now, is it affordable? 
That's where it comes to thing. Um, people with HIV, they can, they can get life insurance, but it's, it's gonna be very expensive. It's, it's not gonna be you know, cheap. So it just depends on when you work the numbers, does this make sense for them? What are all their options? But it's, I always tell people there's life insurance out there for anybody. Whether it's affordable or not in certain conditions, that's where the issue comes into play. So a lot of times I do tell people when I'm talking to someone and um, they individually come to me, the first thing I ask them, where do you work? What's being offered on your job? Because I'm gonna figure out, is that the best thing for you um, based on what's going on with you? It might be the best thing for you because you might be able to keep it in some kind of way, not have the rates go up or, or do some things to it. So what I find is a lot of times people don't really know what they're, they're offered on a the job. They kind of mm -hmm. don't know what their benefits are. They don't understand them. They're like, oh, I don't know. And so that, that's what happens a lot of times. People don't know what they already have. So you don't know what you need. Excellent. Excellent point. Because I think many times I just sign my name on stuff. Or I, I, I honestly, it wasn't be until I had the kids that I was looking more closely at what was available and, and just really thinking long term. Um, and again, this, this past year um, in particular, is there anything specific? I know you just said there's insurance for everybody. Does that include um, affordable policies for seniors? What do you call a senior? <laughs> and be careful with that answer. I was grown. <laughs> be very careful with that answer now. What age are you calling a senior? <laughs> Let's say 65 and over. <laughs> okay, you're cool. I'm not there yet. Okay. Um, well, you know, it just really depends. Um, once you turn age 50, the life insurance policies, whoever you look at, are going to be higher. They just think at 50, the rates are going to be higher. Uh, they're looking at whether you're a tobacco user. Some policies, if you have to go through underwriting, they're looking at your height, your weight. Um, and a lot of people, you know, we're not model thin, you know, so a lot of times that gets people and they're looking at medical conditions, uh, especially in the black and brown community, diabetes and things like that run rapid. So it's going to depend on what shape you're in um, and whether or not it's affordable and then how much you're looking for. I mean, you know, people come out, you're 65 and then you say, I want a million dollar life insurance policy. And I'm like, why? Why? To do what? This is what I'm saying, like, why well, I want to leave my kids something. You just thinking about your kids, your kids are like 40, 45. So, but no, it, it just really depends on, you know, how old you are. And, and if it's just for Barry, at, at 65, most of those people are thinking about money for Barry. Right. They're not thinking about kids. They're not thinking about, they're almost at retirement. So their spouse, their house is probably paid for. So they're not thinking big, huge policies. So if they're getting a $25,000 policy, a $50,000 policy, yes, it's affordable. Now I will tell you a lot of insurance companies don't like, they don't like um, working on policies lower than a hundred thousand. Not all of them, but they just, they don't, they, they, they're trying to go out, they're trying to make money for a living. So they like the, the hundred thousand, the 500,000 million dollar policies. They don't like to write a policy for $10,000 because that's a whole lot of work for them to do. And you know, you're, you're 65, 70 and they're thinking, we may not make any money on this one. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, so um, getting a policy needs a consultation, I just think. I just think yeah. it's not something you just see an ad on TV and they say, 
every unit's $9.99. Well, one unit is $10. They didn't tell you that. So really you're, you know, so I think you need to, and conversation is free. And that's what people need to understand. You can talk to someone, doesn't mean you're going to buy a policy, but you're trying to understand their policy so you can make a decision. So I encourage people to have a conversation with one or two agents just to see what they're advising and make sure you understand and then do what you're going to do. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think it's, it's, it's out there. There's insurance for everybody. And at a minimum, you need enough to bury yourself at a minimum. If you don't have anything else, do not leave that burden to your family. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about the services you provide? And if, and if I can just add on to that, what do you feel like is a good first step for someone who is going to take the leap of faith and say, you know what, this is something I need to do. I'm going to take this and take this on in a more serious way. And so what's the initial first step? And then how can folks get in touch with you to learn more about you, the services that you provide? Two things. The first step is understand what you already have. So you might have to get some paperwork out to see what you already have. So you kind of know, because you need to have, in order for us to have a good discussion, I need to know what you already have so I can know what you need. Uh, and the next thing, my number is 301-645-3700 or B Thomas, B-T-H-O-M-A-S at T-H-E-V-B shop.com. And we will drop your information in the description of this podcast episode. So thank you. Thank you so much. Great questions, guys. I'm hoping that you guys learn something and whoever listens learn something as well. Absolutely. I have learned plenty. <laughs> I have plenty. And I and again, I realize that this, you know, these conversations are tough. We don't, as we started off the episode, like we don't necessarily want to think about we don't want to think about dying, et cetera, but it's just so important to have these conversations in place. And one of the things you mentioned quite a few times was communication, communicating to our beneficiaries, communicating to our families and letting them know, um, you know, what's out there and, and what is available in the event of our, of our demise. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you guys for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. And take care of my baby, please. Well, she needs on the way. <laughs> I was just about to say, because she needs shoes. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. I know I'm behind in my child support. I understand. I'll get that to you. And I thank you. I will be looking out. We got summer camp. It's okay. I'll send you a bill. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That's it amazing show. I hope folks got some tips and um, really thought about insurance and, and what happens next. Because again, the GoFundMe and also not to shade anybody that has to put up a GoFundMe. I have contributed. Uh, I have I have put up one before for a family member. So um, not not to shade folks, because we know, we know it's real out here. But also, um, just want to give people a little some great information just to think about planning. Um, as Miss Beverly said, it really is really affordable. Um, it can be very affordable to have life insurance. Um, so if you don't already, make sure you are doing that, communicating your needs, uh, wants, and desires with your family, writing it down, making a will, it benefits everyone in the end.
Um, but that is it. That wraps up another amazing episode. Today was a tickle. I don't know, Isaiah, don't put none of this on on. <laughs> on the on the youtube this was no. episode i think this is episode 13 if this I'm, is if lucky number 13 yes lucky number 13 we made it um keep listening folks be sure to follow us on the things the twitter the instagram at ward and webster and now i guess subscribe to the youth it's also <laughs> pressure because i'm like oh my glasses got to be different every episode just in oh case my, my lip has to be popping um anyway um subscribe to our youtube channel like if you like um also you can listen to warden webster wherever you listen to your podcast and if you have an opportunity to like there continue to like Mm -hmm. listen new episodes every saturday and again keep um reading our book club book of I was going to say our book club book of the month. I'm tired. (laughs) Our May book club book, Get Good with Money by Tiffany Aliche. We will review it next week, um, wrapping up this Money May series. So I'm a little behind, Bianca. I'm about halfway through, but I've only got a week left. So I'm going to have to do some speed reading this week. Did you finish the book? I have not finished yet. I also have to do some speed reading. I plan to. I'm also hoping that it will drop in my audio (laughs) book that I will get. I'm getting waiting for that alert from my library. Like your book is ready. I'm like, yes. And then I can just lock myself in a closet for 11 hours and listen all the way through. I think I can finish it this weekend. I'm going to blame you for picking such a thick book. I can't Um, wait to see what you pick for June. (laughs) Pressure. Because you got, you better pick a pamphlet. (laughs) In the meantime, folks, keep listening to us tell us what you want us to know feel and do um and thank y'all for listening i mean yeah just just listening thank you i don't know if we say that enough i'm isaiah webster i'm bianca ward see you next week